0: Well, this is a wonderful day to talk about money and a lot of people don't like talking about money, which uh, may be part of our conversation today, Ken. But I, I think it's delightful and I'm, I'm even more delighted to have you here today on the show. Welcome, Ken.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so honored to be here.
0: It's just a pleasure. I read your book, Happy Money, the Japanese art of making peace with your money. And uh, you've been known as as the Zen Millionaire. Tell mm-hmm. me about how you got here.
1: So um, it's uh, going to be a long story. To make it short, uh, my father was an accountant, very successful. So he taught me everything about money when I was small. So um, after I graduated from college, I started my, my own company, consulting and accounting firm. And I retired when I was 29 and for my baby girl and during the full year of semi retirement for my baby girl, I got this inspiration to write about happiness and money. And and I started writing a small booklet. And that small booklet turned into a book. And since then I've been writing one book every few months for the past eighteen years.
0: Wow. And you said you had a hundred and forty books, is that right? Yes. I'm Okay, <laughs> that's a big number. <laughs> wow. When you were young, I, I know in the, sto- in the story in the book, In Happy Money, mm-hmm. you talked about being eight years old and learning from your father. Can you say more about what you witnessed and how that began your journey of the way that you see money?
1: Yeah, so um, I realized when I was uh, very little there are two kinds of people, business people, happy people and unhappy people. And I witnessed them going through changes of life. And uh, the one with happy peop- uh, happy money tend to do well. And the other ones who are struggling, uh, they are struggling financially because they have unhappy money. And I realized that there are two kinds of money, happy money and uh, unhappy money. In business as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah can you can you say more about what happy money and unhappy money looks like?
1: Yes, happy money is money that makes you smile when you receive it and gives you joy when you spend it, whereas unhappy money um, makes you frustrated when you receive it and gives you anger, sadness, depression and uh, when you spend it and obviously unfortunately. 95% of our money is unhappy money.
0: Yeah, I remember maybe it was like 15 years ago when I was examining my relationship to money, I I read something somewhere, I can't remember where now, but it said, when you spend even a dollar or when you look at the gas prices or something, is there just a pain in you to even spend that dollar. What does it do to you? Mm-hmm. Or what do you feel when you're spending that dollar? Uh-huh. And I remember it feeling like it was taking away my life force. It was awful
2: uh-huh. and
0: a lot of anxiety and like I was losing something. And that was uh, the beginning of my shift in my relationship with money. And you spoke to in the book, everyone has a unique dilemma. Uh-huh with money, mm-hmm. in the relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And how has yours been? What have you noticed in your life? So
1: um, there is a one in- interesting um, thing happened when I was in elementary grade school. One time when I came back from school, my father, who was a very strong samurai type of guy, um, he was crying like a baby. And I've never seen adult men cry up to that age. And I thought, my father is not capable of crying because I've never seen him cry in my entire life. And my mother took me aside mm-hmm. and she told me that my father's best friend and his client um, committed suicide. And not only he committed suicide, before he committed suicide, he killed the entire family and committed suicide. It's called family suicide. Mm-hmm. To save the family from the disgrace of bankruptcy. So that Mm. incident really changed everything. My life and my father's life and my entire family's life. And he was a very generous, fun loving person. But after that, he felt so guilty for not lending money. He was um, going to lend money, but uh, at that time, if he loaned some money, it would Go directly to the loan sharks. So he waited until Mm -hmm. his Mm -hmm. friend filed bankruptcy, and then he can give the money to the family, so he can they can spend a few months to live on. So he felt partly responsible for the death of the family, that made him very depressed, and when he went so slipped into alcoholism, and uh, he lost his smile and. All of our family members lost smile too, so uh, after that he became mm-hmm. very abusive and at the time i I sort of blamed money for the for the cause of all the misery so um my beginning was not a happy journey about money, but at the same time, I really made my, my made up my mind that when I grow up i'll I will make sure that my family Will have enough money, so they don't have to go through this.
0: That sounds like such a, a devastating experience,
1: right? And yes,
0: for for so many.
1: Yeah, when I uh, think back, um, you know, my father was so confused about the whole thing, and I was confused too. And I think everybody is so confused. And now uh, we we are in the twenty first century, but still. <laughs> A lot of us are still confused about money and a lot of fights, a lot of uh, uh, crimes and uh, disputes are caused by money-related stress. I I wouldn't say it's money. It's money-related stress. Money is neutral energy, but we put so many garbages onto money, so we think it's Mm -hmm. money's fault. But it's our fault, humans.
0: Yeah, it sounds easier to blame money than to look at what's going on in our relationship with it or right. what do we need to do. right? And this is what you've set your work to.
1: Yeah, so um, since I was 10, 11, I started reading about money and I learned more about business. And so early on, I started my own business and I became financially independent very
0: young.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's this quote that you have in your book, um, First... The question is, do you, you, do you use money or does money use you?
2: Uh-huh.
0: And it felt so poignant to look at it that way. Uh-huh. And, uh, you began that section of your book with being at the kitchen table with your father. Uh-huh. And he said, money has two facets like a coin,
2: uh-huh.
0: God and the devil. Uh-huh. And that sounds very poignant to the unfolding of, of your entire viewpoint towards money and I have seen I have seen that as well and I wonder if you could speak more to that and your thoughts about it
1: you know um money could be so different depending on who you're talking to if people with happy money they say money is great money helps you money gives you great opportunities money takes away all the stress which is um true and also The other one with unhappy money says money is the cause of all frustration, money creates divorces, money creates fights. That's also one um other facet of money. So money can be um so many things to so many people, and you can choose it.
2: Yeah, there's a
0: there's something about giving ourselves permission to enjoy money, which you do speak about in your book as well, to receive it. To be open to receiving money or gifts and having joy about it, like being excited like a child would mm-hmm. and I love when you tie in how children can experience it this way, yeah, can you speak more to that that permission that we can give ourselves?
1: you know money is interesting when you are willing to receive it's gonna come, but when you say no 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 no, no. I don't you know I'm not worth it, I don't deserve it, so money will kind of pass through so. You have to be, have to <laughs> yeah. be open to the flow. Money is a flow. So if it flows through you, yeah. you'll be abundant. If money uh, flows in front of you, you have no abundance. <laughs> so if you, <laughs> if you are in the flow of money, receive money and then pass it on, that's abundance. But a lot of us feel so unworthy about receiving money from our clients from our, you know, the companies we're working for, and uh, we are afraid to ask for a raise. We are, we are so afraid to receive more, and also we feel so frustrated uh, because we have to give away money for taxes and other things that we feel like, "Ooh, I don't want to pay." But that really creates a uh, uh, clogs um, in your life that stops the flow of money.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, and it feels so bad. Yes. <laughs> you know, it feels so bad to say, oh, I have to pay X, Y, and Z. Yes. And when I really was in that place of feeling bad about money going out from me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: paying things, it it was so hard to even see that there was another way to be with money.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So think of uh, food, yeah. for example. You know, a healthy person eats a lot and then releases a lot unhealthy person eats a lot but not releasing a lot <laughs> <laughs> you know so
0: it gets stuck yeah exactly yeah, i don't want to let go undi- undigested yeah
1: so mm. it's not healthy at all mm-hmm. when you think of food but when you think of money like a lot of people want to stay constipated. is that the word
0: oh um constipated
1: constipated yes that's a hard yeah. one <laughs> so <is>. they love <laughs> they love to be in that situation
0: to be constipated, they love to stay there.
1: Yes, even though it's not quite healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had to, in my life, I, I felt the impact of a lot of my ancestry uh-huh. and the way that they dealt with money and the story of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love how you asked the question. I believe you said, if money were a person. Yes. What, what would this person be like or who would that be? hmm. And when I was looking at the story of money in my family ancestry, mm-hmm. I felt like money was something that divided people. It hurt people. Mm. And it was something that people hoard and try to stay constipated with and collect and collect. But it doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't really bring joy.
2: Yes. Yeah, it so- just
0: collects and divides.
1: Yeah, so it's like uh, when you, uh, when you look at it like a river. If the river flows beautifully and naturally, organically, um, you know, there, there will be a lot of life. But if you stop the river, you know, um, it's going to create a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. There will be flood and also some area will be dry and, um, the whole, um, chaotic situations will occur. So when you just start hoarding money, it's not good for you and also for the environment too. So instead of hanging on to your money, you have to let it flow, and that will be the ways to keep healthy financially and also emotionally too.
0: Beautiful, yeah, that flow. And can you speak more to how you teach people to get in that flow? Let's say they do feel that constipation, or <laughs> yeah, <they>
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: just feel so victim to money. Uh-huh. Like no. What if, you know, I'm sure in your many walks of life and the um, speaking that you've uh, done connecting with so many people in Japan Mm -hmm. and around the world, what, you know, have you had that question where people say, but really, like, this isn't working for me.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's so true. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to have many great mentors. Uh, One of them is, um, Wahei Takeda who's called Warren Buffett of Japan. And he's one of the uh, wealthiest person in Japan. And, and I had this opportunity to ask him about money. And ask him, um, what is the secret money? And he said, only one thing. Thank your money. Arigato your money. I, uh, what? <laughs> he said, arigato in, arigato out. That means when the money comes in, say thank you to the money. When the money leaves you, also thank your money. And by doing that, you start this uh, cycle of appreciation in your life. And why I said appreciating about money and worrying about money, you cannot do it at the same time. So if you could focus on appreciation of the money, you will forget about worrying. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that's the beauty of his teaching. So once you start appreciating the money coming in, Instead of being frustrated with, with how little you get, uh, you know, you begin to appreciate your clients, your boss and, uh, all the environment and they, they react in a positive way. One of my, uh, participants, uh, seminar participants, uh, she was a, a low paying, um, secretary and she didn't have a college degree. So she didn't get a, a high salary, but. Uh, she was complaining about it mm-hmm. the whole thing and one day she realized that the secret of appreciating so she started appreciating her boss for giving her the job and she thanked him and she thanked him in so many other ways so she became like a different person a few weeks later she got a big raise so hmm. you know without saying much she showed her appreciation with her with her attitude and then her boss um, paid her back, so that's the beauty of appreciation. What you appreciate appreciates. If you appreciate money, that is beautiful. Money will also, yeah, be nice to you. So, and it's not a new age spiritual thing. It's uh, this psychological mm. um, impact that people have around appreciation, and it works on wonders in uh, family issues too. If you start appreciating your partners, your kids, your parents. They appreciate you back.
0: Absolutely. And it, as you're saying, it's not this new age thing. It's so tangible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can feel the, the visceral feeling of someone appreciating you or when someone appreciates something, there's a feeling around that. And, and there's also so much to appreciate, even mm-hmm. if it's a little, little money you received.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been a, a practical business person all my life. So when I was doing accounting uh, before mid- retirement, I divided my clients into two groups. One is a regular group, and also the other one is uh, the one with small gifts. Whenever I got to see them, I brought uh, small gifts like a chocolate, a book, or a CD, or herb tea, and something not too big uh, to appreciate their businesses and appreciate about relationships. And uh, six months later, look what happened from the um, group, regular group, I didn't get so many referrals. Mm -hmm. But the second group was small gifts. I got overwhelmed by the responses that they wanted to uh, refer uh, me to their their friends. So just the Mm -hmm. small gifts, they want to do something for me in return. And that's the only difference. And also the the feeling of of appreciation along with the small gifts. And if you feel appreciated by somebody, you appreciate them. So that way, um, uh, business-wise, it really works.
0: Mm, that makes sense. The discernment that I feel around what you're saying mm-hmm. is that it really needs to come with appreciation, like a true feeling of that, versus it just being, I don't know, a coupon.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it feels flat. Like, oh, I'm just gonna. Or if you gave the small gifts, just without much meaning. Uh huh. But the meaning you're imbibing in it is that appreciation, that care.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So how do we root through our emotional garbage related to money?
1: <laughs> you need um like a, a whole day. <laughs> but you know, we, <laughs> yeah,
0: we yeah, we two all days. need
1: we
0: <laughs> many people need lifetimes, right? <laughs> yes,
1: because we've accumulated. We've accumulated so much garbage on money. You know, first of all, we are worrying about money a lot and we feel frustrated with money. We feel angry. We feel depressed. We feel uh, anxiety around money. And uh, when I I give a lot of counseling, I used to give a lot of counseling to couples, uh, business owners, and housewives. So I know how it works. You know, we are addicted to money Mm -hmm. worries. We are literally addicted Mm -hmm. because we are so, um, we stay so paralyzed because we are afraid of money. Um, Because of money fear. We don't take risks and start doing what we love. We uh, get stuck in this uh, jobs that we don't like and get stuck in the marriages that we think it's, it's already over a few years ago. And uh, because of money limitation, we are so afraid to start, um, um, new ventures in life.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. And you, you spoke to how, important it is to be doing what you love mm-hmm. and to be in the appreciation of your gifts and what you can offer the world and loving that mm-hmm. as, as a way to let the flow in. Yes. And so if we can't take a risk to do that, it would be very hard to right. get in the flow.
1: Right. I've written more than 20 uh, books on how to find your gifts and how to follow your heart. And uh, it's very important. But, uh, going back a little bit, um, about, um, money and emotions. Unless you kind of heal these emotions around money, um, you are so paralyzed. So, you know, we are so stuck. So we know somewhere deep inside we want to do what we love, but we feel like we don't deserve that good life or we don't, uh, we don't have enough resources financially, mentally, or whatever the reasons we cannot afford to do whatever we love. So unless we heal these uh, money issues and transform our relationship around money, we cannot r- really start living.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and in that way, we can't really afford not to do mm-hmm. what we love in, in life because we're really not living.
1: Yes, yes. So, um, But unfortunately, uh, not only in Japan, in North America, Europe, China, Africa, India, everywhere, Arabic countries, everywhere, we are stuck because um, we are so confused about money. And uh, when you um, take a look at the issues really closely, we are not afraid of money. We are afraid of bad future, to be precise. We are afraid of the future without any money. We are afraid of running out of ma- money. In the future, and then no money is no good. You know, it's scary because everything mm-hmm. is tied up. We cannot pay for the rent, uh, electricity. So we'll be homeless. We cannot eat. You know, all these survival uh, issues will come up. But when you take a look at it, it's nothing to do with money, because I've interviewed millionaires intensively, and uh, I found at least three or four times before they became a millionaire they experience the, a situation without any money. But that didn't kill them. What kills people is the fear of the situation with, with no money.
0: That makes complete sense. And it seems like, in my experience, whether that's your personal experience, mm-hmm. like that something has happened and it was scary or maybe terrifying, that instead of recognizing it's the fear of that, Versus, well, that we often just say, oh, it was money. And then we kind of like drop the issue or something, you know, we leave it there Yeah, with blaming money. And uh, I found in my work with people in their ancestry and in my own ancestry mm-hmm. that a lot of times it's someone in the past that experienced something that did happen, perhaps around money or mm-hmm. perhaps around loved ones. That mm-hmm. where the money is at is losing a loved one. And the fear and the pain around that was so great. It was um, stuck there without looking at it and healing it all the way through and feeling it. And so it carried on for generations. And it can get placed to money.
1: Yes, that's your uh, expertise. And I, I agree with you 100%. Um It's kind of hard to believe uh psychologically and scientifically. Uh, because the uh, grand-grandparents that you don't even know the names and the faces, they're mm-hmm. just influence, influencing you. It's almost like the experiences you had last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I do a lot of uh, healing around money issues, too. So I, I'm sure you'll find my work very interesting because what you do must be very similar to what I do. You know, it, it's developed in very different ways, but the core issues mm-hmm. is the same
0: absolutely i f- I feel that when I read your book mm-hmm. and uh does it come up? Does it come up in your work with people the ancestry and, and people
1: yes, yes, that lived
0: before them mm-hmm. Yes,
1: our culture is so um oriented with our 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 ancestry so we we have a little altar usually every Japanese house has a small altar, and then we have this uh pictures of uh grandparents grand grandparents, and then uh, we worship a few times a year and about our ancestry. So, so we really respect our heritage. And I think that's something, uh, Western people uh, don't seem to have as much as we do. So, uh, mm-hmm. as much as we show respect to our, um, ancestry, um, a lot of us are restricted with our ancestry. For example, one of my friends, um, feels so unworthy and also so restrictive when it comes to changing jobs because uh, he is a, a fifth uh, generation of photographer. And then mm-hmm. if he is doing photography, actually he wants to do more music, but uh, he feels like all his uh, ancestors would be upset if he, he, he changed his career to music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's probably what uh North American people or European people who don't have.
0: And and yet that experience of being restricted mm-hmm. or or perhaps being resourced or s- strengthened by ancestry still exists even if the the sense of the everyday practice of ritual isn't there. That's true. It so is, true. Yeah. Still living there underneath yes. things. Yes as I see exactly what you're saying, uh-huh. and there's a sense of, this is how I belong to my family if I'm a photographer too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I do a lot of uh, family um, shame cleansing too, you know, um, mm. because we have so many shames passed on from our grand, grand, grandparents um, like 150 years ago, you know, um, and then they feel like um, that, uh they shouldn't be so flashy and they they shouldn't spend so much money because uh we are the farmers so you know the time that mm-hmm. the, when their ancestors are farmers are like uh, more than 100 years ago but their grand grandparents y- used to say we are farmers so we don't you know wear flashy clothes <laughs> and uh, and that passed on <laughs> to grandparents and parents and now you are living in 21st century but still we are living in you know in in, in in 1800s, almost.
0: Absolutely. I see that as well. So how do, you, how do you work with the shame cleansing? What do you do with people? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, oh, I always ask my clients to gather all the ancestors and relatives. And some of them, they have the pictures. Some of them, we just ask them to just, you know, come to support me. So instead of being the, the object of the curse from your ancestry, you just mm. um, feel the support and respect and care from your parents, grandparents, grand grandparents. So once you feel that, uh, you're bound with this shame, uh, generation, generationally. So, uh, all, all like 20 of you can come together for the first time in history of your family. You know, it's kind of neat because, uh, they don't live in the same age, but you can do that, mm. uh, in a spiritual way. And then you get, uh, you get them to talk about the shame that, um, your parents had and you can imagine your grandparents had. And then the rest is almost like in, in your imagination. And after that, um, you put, the um, uh, campfire in the center of the uh, circle and then, Put all the shame and let let it burn, and uh, um, with the blessings of all your ancestry, and after doing a little meditation of some kind, you know you feel so much lighter, and uh, amazingly their financial situation changes in in a few weeks. So I don't know how it works. Some people think I'm a spiritual healer of some sort, but I think it's just your, in your psyche that once you're free of burden of shame and uh guilt um i think the mm-hmm. money flow can be um uh, um more smooth
2: that's beautiful
1: and i'm sure candice you're the expert so you you know what's what i'm talking about right
0: i do i do and it it's beautiful what you're describing it's um it, i just find it really fascinating too that it's very much in line with some of the practices that I'm working with. Uh-huh. And I love how it sounds like, and you can let me know, it sounds like this is coming very much from the tradition of Japanese culture of uh-huh. ancestry and your creativity of how you can work with your imagination and invite as well as what is the felt sense or what's real about inviting your ancestors in. Um, yes. I find that it's, it can, be, it can feel f- spiritual. Mm-hmm. Who, who's to say it's not? But also, it, it does live in the psyche. There are so many of these beliefs and feelings. And when we put them into the light, and in your experience that you're offering, put them in the campfire and let them burn with blessing. That's mm-hmm. It's really transforming something on the inside for us. Yes. And which gives way to the outside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... As you can see, thank you. As you can see, I'm not doing for a Japanese family. I'm doing it globally because Mm -hmm. look at what happened since 1930s or even before then, since the capitalism started. Look at how much shame, guilt, embarrassment, greed we've accumulated energetically on this planet. That's what's messing up the environment. So if we can somehow coordinate Globally, mentally, spiritually, um, look at all the issues and then, um, heal this money wounds, uh, because super wealthy people feel guilt and, uh, upper middle class people feel, uh, upset and because they're not treated equally and the middle class and, um, in lower middle class people feel frustrated because somebody is taking advantage, you know, of it. And then financially challenged people feel shame around money. So if all of us get together and heal this money wounds and emotions around money globally, I think there will be a planetary shift. So that's why I wrote this book, Happy Money.
0: I love that. I I've, I resonate with that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. that if we are able to shift the energy within us and in our relationship with money and with in interaction with other people with money, that just trickles out to everything. Mm -hmm. And the way, you know, I I think, tell me what you're thinking here. But when you say that um, this is a global wound and it's hurting the planet, I think about how at times there's greed or um, fear fueling how people want to make money. And then they may do things that, um, that would hurt the planet or, mm-hmm. uh, would not, they may not consider those facets because they feel like they're just in survival mode. And there may be many other reasons, but it feels like it influences our decisions on what we buy
2: mm-hmm. or what
0: we offer to sell.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and how we, how we live.
2: Mm-hmm. What would
0: you say?
1: You know, what I'm, um I do a lot of uh, money counseling to uh, different um generations. What I found is like um millenniums and younger people they have a totally different attitude about money so uh, uh people in the thirties forties fifties they love shopping, but the younger people they love to shop less and then they they want to shop. Uh, more fairly traded stuff, uh, instead of buying uh, five different jackets and shirts, they are satisfied with the one fairly traded uh, shirt and they feel pride in it. And so, mm-hmm. um, instead of having more and more, uh, new generations, they're feeling like, uh, satisfaction and fairness and less, which is so beautiful because Younger people are uh, more advanced in in the history of humankind, so they know the way we we've been living doesn't um, work and it doesn't support the planet. So I think there will be a lot less and less consumption of cheap stuff. Instead, I think um, uh, more of uh, fairly fairly traded stuff will be out there in the market. So there will be less exploitation uh for uh, young laborers and uh low paying jobs in uh, uh developing countries. So I think um as a whole we're ev- evolving in a in a beautiful way. Uh when it when you take a look beautiful. at the planetary mm-hmm. shift, uh our place is much, much, much better than two hundred years ago, or hundred years ago, or seventy seventy years ago after the war. You know, there are wars and, uh, the people who are in the war zone, um, it's estimated about three to five million people. So in other words, you know, six billion and nine hundred and ninety, ninety seven, uh, million people are not in war. So globally, mm-hmm. we're shifting beautifully, but you know, not, not, not there yet, but I think we're getting there. So, but we mm-hmm. need to have this planetary shift and it has to come from individual and it has to come from within. And I think the key is to, is, is appreciation about who you are. And because if you can appreciate about who you are, you don't need more stuff. That means less shopping, less money spending, more money in your pocket. So you, you feel less, um, stress about money and then more satisfaction in life. So, more appreciation is really the start of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, and I think that really hits the core.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of us are creating many issues because we spend simply too much. The reason is that we we, have, we feel so stressed, so we shop. Uh, I heard um, re- retail se- therapy is a word in English, and yes, uh, it I, I thought it's I thought it's pretty funny, you know. You know when I first heard about the retail therapy, i thought uh the the shop uh, you know the shop attendants will give you therapy and <laughs> so i thought it's a, i thought it's a, as a, as a service or something you know extra <laughs> service, so I thought it's a Hi. very funny very American way of uh, creating words
0: that's hilarious
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i I think it's our our way of naming something without really actually going deeper in a way. <laughs> you know, we to. it's funny, retail therapy, yeah, but it's yeah. just saying exactly what it is. We we want to feel better.
1: Yeah, I thought there's a there's like a free uh, you know, therapist in a the shopping mall or something. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, you just confess I shop too much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: You bring yeah, your shopping confessions in
1: yeah if you bring a receipt that you bought something at the shopping mall, you can get a free session or something <laughs> <laughs> it's like a massage thing if you if you're a royal customer, you get a free therapy. oh, you shop too much, come back next week
2: <laughs> ooh
0: <laughs> let's feed the addiction <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know it's 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 funny right. but it's everywhere in china japan it uh, is. one of the um one of the fun comment uh one of the fun tagline in a, uh one of the most popular shopping center in Japan uh you know it's, uh, it's supposed to be a joke you know japanese people they make jokes too <laughs> and then uh, at, hmm. at the entrance of the shopping mall it says buy now regret later at home oh. so <laughs> that's, oh,
2: that's very you know,
1: straight but that's what, that's what they say and people smile yeah. and and they give them permission to shop more.
0: Yeah, if there's a little humor about it and good feeling right. about it. Then, yeah, <laughs> shop extra.
1: now, shop now, regret later when you go home. It's...
0: Oh, funny! <laughs> yeah,
1: so <laughs> so they don't hide their marketing strategy.
0: Right, we're just being transparent with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so so I think it's everywhere. But once I you're satisfied, so. satisfied with the what you have, you don't have this drive to buy more you know do more so you'd be more content with who you are that's my zen uh, philosophy around money so uh, it doesn't you know require much money you don't have to be a millionaire billionaire you know to 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 be in peace with money
0: yeah for a long time i felt like I needed to have enough. And then I, it, as a question, well, what is enough and what does that uh-huh. even mean? And where is that coming from?
2: Uh-huh. A lot of
0: it was feeling enough in myself uh-huh. enough that I'm enough. And, but it also related to a whole shift in the paradigm of money from accumulation and
2: uh-huh.
0: reaching some sort of bar, even though uh I appreciate that if that's happening, uh-huh. um, that feeling like I'll always have what I need when I need it. Mm. And that I have this relationship with money that feels, um, more joyful. Someone told me, one of my business consultants early on told me her view of money was the exchange of joy from one person with a calling to another.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And when she said that, it really clicked something in me that that's mm-hmm. how I want it to be. And that's how I wanted it to feel on both, both ways. You know, if I offer a service and someone's paying for it, my wish is that they feel they're excited to give money in exchange for mm-hmm. the service or for the gift of the work together. And vice versa, if I'm working with someone, I'm so happy to give them what, what they feel they're, they want for it. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's exciting when it feels good for both people. Yes. And so just looking at that whole paradigm of accumulation and, uh, thinking we need to be in a certain place. But then if you really look at your life, like what, what, um, what do you really want and need? And how are you feeling? How are you feeling?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think so. is,
0: is a lot of what you're saying. Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: So, Thank you. You said it so beautifully, in other words. So, you know, one of my greatest joy is to find people with happy money everywhere. So um, without knowing uh, what happy money is, they are in the flow of happy money. So that's their way of appreciating their life, expressing their joy about their life. And we need more people like that on this planet and uh because uh, there's um many different ways of living on this planet right now some depressing some enlightening some freeing but when it comes down to um living happy life there's only you know two ways happy life or unhappy life so i hope um everybody feels um uh content with who they are who he is or who she is and start living his or her true life, authentic life. Uh, because, um, that is, I, I believe that's why we're born for, you know, express our gifts and, uh, start appreciating, um, what we have and sharing with other people.
0: I couldn't agree with you more.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And so it, in this place of peace with your life and it sounds like harmony with who you are and offering being in your gifts, um, do you encounter any challenges?
1: Yes, uh, because um, emotions hit your heart every day. You know, you feel anxiety and uh, shame, uh, disappointments, and uh, a lot is going to attack you almost, you know? So you have to have this Zen mentality not too excited not too much excitement not too much disappointments uh because your life is in the middle and mm. and for example uh when you start worrying money just be practical for example uh, if you have more than 50 friends who can let you stay uh for a week for free i'm sure you you have at least uh, five or 10 friends and uh If you have that many friends, you know, um, after fifty-two weeks, which is a year, you can come back to friend number one and say it's been a while. How are you doing? And then you can start over uh, the the next year. So by doing that, you know, um, you don't, you don't, you don't need any money to keep living. So once Mm -hmm. you realize that you need, uh, you need friends to depend on, not money. uh, Seek security in people not in money, you realize that you have more than enough.
0: Yeah, it's such a nice way to look at it and also to appreciate the relationships in your life Mm -hmm. that uh, are part of the resource.
1: Yes, and trust life because your friends and your family members and the the people who love you will not let you fall. They catch you, but uh, you have to let them know that you need help. That's another issue. We are so good at giving, but so bad at receiving. So Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: know that's which is a whole. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) like,
0: if we can't receive, then yeah. So
1: yeah, a a lot of you know, yeah, a lot of I give a lot of counseling to single mothers too, but their problem is they have a hard time asking for help. Mm -hmm. But once they ask for help, you know, their neighbors, their friends, and family members you know they're going to they're ready to jump on and help you and you'll be overwhelmed by the support you get but mm-hmm. you know if you just don't ask people don't know that you're in in trouble or that you 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 need help
0: yeah and the way you're speaking about this it feels like looking at where we're blocked in our own energy of trust and abundance mhm where are we where is our psyche or soul asking us to grow yes. now, in the case of a single mother having a hard time asking for help because that's a challenge. It may be blocking everything mm-hmm. and that w- we are meant to have all the skills and tools that uh, we can in life. And I think that's where we are flowing the best.
1: Yes. Yes. So you have to be vulnerable to be able to ask for support mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people love to give you one. And, you know, we're good at giving. So remember, (laughs) if you are, if you are bad at receiving, but there are more people, Mm -hmm. uh, who are good at giving. So, you know, yes. And, uh, you can complete the cycle of giving and receiving by being a receiver. We need people to receive.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) We need people to receive. I like, Mm -hmm. I like how you're putting that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad you, you like what I'm saying. Because whatever I say may sound Japanese or sometimes weird or strange, but uh, whatever whatever I'm saying is has been proven with great results over the past two decades. So I think it's going to work in North America or, or in any other uh, cultures because once we start trusting life, start receiving and asking for support, you know, you uplift yourself. Spiritually, mm. emotionally, and financially too, you know you'd be amazed mm-hmm. how many people will just um, will jump on you, they're going to eat you up, you <laughs> they're going to support mm-hmm. you, yeah, and uh you'll be overwhelmed yeah. by the love
0: yeah, you know i I have a very concrete example of that. I was in Austin, Texas, for a training, and mm-hmm. um, i had I had gotten an Airbnb. And slept in it the first night. And the second night, something happened at three in the morning. I don't think I was in danger, but but there was a lot of noise. It it was a shared apartment. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, oh, I cannot, I can't be here and really uh, rest well for my training that I really wanted to partake in. And so I gathered all my things and that morning... I decided to leave that Airbnb and not come back. I didn't have Mm -hmm. a car or anything. So I'm walking with all my stuff, you know, walking like a mile over to the place. And someone said, "What? what's going on? You have all your stuff? Are you leaving? And I said, no, actually. And I told them the truth. You know, I'm really struggling with where I'm staying. So I thought I would just bring all my stuff and figure it out. But I am looking for a place to stay. And at least seven people offered their home.
1: mm Beautiful.
0: In in a matter of a few hours.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're so lovable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was It was so loving and I felt so welcomed. And those relationships that I'm building there, um, I love them. And there's so much joy around that. And it, this isn't specifically about money, even though I might have had to mm-hmm. spend some money to go to a place and now I didn't need to. But, uh, I think that just really is a nice example to what you're saying.
1: Yes, exactly. About
0: reaching out and people wanting to help.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So thank you for sharing the story.
0: Oh, yes. Thank you. I I wanted to ask one more question, Ken. Yes. Um, there's a lot of racial tension, mm-hmm. racial and ethnic tension in the United States about money. Mm-hmm. Oh, that connects with money. Mm-hmm. It's relation in relationship to money. And, um, for example, this idea that, um, of, of social reproduction, mm-hmm. that if you're born into a place of a certain race or ethnicity in the states or maybe in the world, that it's very hard for someone to climb out of that because it's, it's so culturally embedded and the experiences that one might have growing up are completely different than someone who has wealth? Mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at social class mm-hmm. from this kind of constructive of thinking,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? There's that, and there's also the amount of trauma that African Americans have experienced in our country, mm. as well as Native Americans, um, Asian Americans, Latino Americans. So many I'm, that I'm not naming are having such a traumatic history in the connection with the United States, Mm -hmm. there's also so much that was to gain, Mm. you know, coming here. I think people saw opportunity, families saw opportunity and perhaps they did get it. And in some cases, maybe they didn't, but there's this hurt and wounding around, around being here. And that does connect to how much money people feel they're being paid here. Or it does seem to bring about the mentality that, um, how can certain groups of people come to find abundance if all this happened? Mm-hmm. And that it seems to be a societal—the way uh, many people speak of it—a societal disease mm-hmm. that relates to how we're treating people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, I—I I wonder what your thoughts about it are, and what. Uh, you recommend to somebody that feels like they're in that position?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, since I'm not a politician, I don't, um, I'm not in a position of commenting what's going on politically. But what I know is that mm-hmm. um, you know, people of all um, ethnicity or all the financial groups, they all feel that they're mistreated. You now, wealthy people feel like why they have to pay more taxes you know and uh upper middle class people mm-hmm. feel the same way like uh all the taxes that they're paying are going to um poor neighborhood you know like why am I paying for them and uh the poor people feel like um you know they're not getting paid enough, they're not getting um enough attention, you know, so mm-hmm. everybody's upset that's. It's so interesting from outsiders, mm-hmm. uh, in North America. Uh, everybody seems so upset. You know, um, I'm not for your president or I'm not against your president, but whatever I said, everybody gets emotionally charged. So and that's not, <laughs> right. uh, you know, uh, you know, I know, um, our prime minister, um, some people say bad things or good things, but, uh, we're families. We will not be divided because of him. You know, he doesn't have that much power. So, um, when you, um, look at the issues, you feel like it's not fair. You know, it's not, uh, p- people think it's not fair. Uh, and also we are born with, uh, uh, more talent and some, some are born with pretty faces and, you know, cute faces, handsome. So we feel like, you know, it's not, uh, we are not equally treat, you know, treated. And it's true. When mm-hmm. you look at lives, you know, some people are born with, uh, um, and all the great, great stuff. But when you think of, uh, happiness, I think it's so fair because I have done a lot of counseling for, um, people who come from wealthy background and, uh, and, um, more money doesn't necessarily translate into happiness. And also you're born into mm-hmm. a very challenging place. But that doesn't mean that you'll be doomed because that gives you the right motivation to go up. So in terms of that, I think life is very fair. Uh, I call it the distance to happiness is equally the same. Even if you're born in a super wealthy family, you, you have a great body, you know, good looking and smart, you know, head. But if you don't have the right attitude, uh, you, you feel very miserable. Uh, so it's nothing to, to do with how much again, again, how much you have or how much you mm-hmm. make. It's who you are. So the distance to happiness is amazingly equal. So I think it's, it's great news for, for all of us. So if, because the reason why I'm saying is that even though um, you have a private jet. If you're not satisfied with your jet, you feel miserable. You know, one time I I had an interview with a very wealthy man, and I asked him, um, when did you start feeling wealthy? I thought his answer was, since I was twenties. You know, he said, I don't feel wealthy at all. I asked him why. He said, I don't have a private jet. And then uh, later, wow. I had a meeting with a guy with a private jet. I heard he has a private jet, so. Do you feel wealthy? And he says, no, I'm not a wealthy person. No, I'm financially okay. But you have a private jet. And he said, no, but it's small. <laughs> it's a small airplane. It can seat only six people. So even <laughs> for it's him,
0: all relative. Yeah. Even though he has their a private mindset jet.
1: Is. Yeah. Yeah. He said, my private jet is very small. So he feels like, uh, uh he feels like a small man when his plane is parked in in right next to the, the big super jet
0: fascinating
1: yeah so you know he feels so miserable in this you know parking area of a uh, big airplanes so <laughs> yeah he feels very poor he said yeah you know and then probably wow. if, if i can grab somebody with a big jet he says all my uh seats are like regularly installed one it's not custom made or something you know because all the royal families from a uh, middle east they they put everything gold, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is so refreshing to hear you say that life is fair and, and the distance to happiness is amazingly equal. I, I do think that that is very much a relief. And it does challenge us to uh let go of or wipe away or look at why we... Why we have believed that money's going to solve every issue mm-hmm. and money makes happiness right it can make happiness, mm-hmm. but it doesn't in all cases and you have some really beautiful examples of how that's true, and I think the illusion of people that um, feel like they're not rich or wealthy is that somehow it would having more would make them happier
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and what you're saying that the distance to happiness is is always the same. It's equal for all people, no matter the situation. It doesn't, it uh, challenges us to see that it's more than about money itself, which is everything you're speaking to.
1: Yeah. So, you know, don't get discouraged that you have little money or, you know, um, um, life is not treating you fairly. You may feel that way, but it's not, it's not going to last for the rest of your life it's a temporary situation and if you you know make it uh that way so just uh, be mm-hmm. willing to receive more ask for help if you're in a, a hard spot and then you just start your life and don't let money stop you so um let money help you
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: That's a beautiful place to conclude today. Is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: Uh, thank you once again, uh, Candice. You, you're such a, a beautiful um, person, and uh, I can really feel your impact in the world in such a beautiful way. So keep going. And uh, uh, listeners, please um, be open to um, new ideas. Arigato in, arigato out. When the money comes in, try that next time. Um, thank your money. Yeah. Yes. It's not going to cost you anything. Uh. <laughs> and then when you spend the money, <laughs> when you spend your money, also say thank you. You know, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to give you such a great feeling. And then it's going to transform your life. I've done, I've, I've taught this to hundreds of thousands of people and it works. So just try it out for once. And then you'll be hooked <laughs> to this a arig- world <laughs> because it's more fun to appreciate people and being appreciated. It's a happier way of living. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Ken. It's been such a pleasure. I I really enjoyed laughing with you and talking about this important subject, important to all people. Um, and I just love how you're bringing uh, the lightness to it and guiding people to look truly at what's underneath it and to be themselves in life to find peace with themselves uh, which gives peace with money and uh, arigato.
1: Thank you so much. Arigato everyone. Have a beautiful life. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you
1: so much. It's
0: Have a beautiful life as well. Thank
1: you. It's been such a great um, experience for me. I had so much fun with you and uh, hope to see you uh, soon in person and um, all the blessings to you.
0: Thank you so much. So I